0: You're listening to Words of Life, a message of hope from the Salvation Army.
1: We're really excited to join with you again this week as we discuss counting the cost, specifically looking at scripture from Mark chapter 5. We can all agree that Jesus is the one who paid the cost, like the ultimate cost. Absolutely no questions asked about that. But there is a cost to ministry. Uh, Billy Graham once famously said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. I remember the first time I heard that from a very wise mentor. And it rubbed me the wrong way because I didn't want it to be too hard. I didn't want this life following Jesus to be too heavy and weighty because I felt like The life I had left behind, that sun scorched land, that lonely way of living, that had been heavy. But this is a bit different because um, Jesus doesn't ask me to bear this weight or this cost alone. He says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take, your, take my yoke upon you, learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when he says that, he's saying straight up, look y'all, it's gonna be hard. There's gonna be challenges, but you're not in this alone. If you'll connect to me and be part of my team, and allow me to lead, I'll show you the way to navigate what I want you to do in the world. There is a cost to doing this ministry. And when we look into scripture, Mark chapter five, we see the account of Jesus restoring a demon possessed man.
0: Right, so we're confronted with a story where Jesus, um, and this is uh, you know, just good to know right after he calms the storm. So he's kind of coming out of this pretty intense uh, day and evening and then just kind of moves right into the, the next day. And uh, as he's crossing the lake to the other side, of course, he is runs into this guy who Scripture says he's demon-possessed, this guy that's in torment. And uh, as we read this, the evil spirit came out from the tomb. So this guy's hanging out in the tombs, right? Hanging out in a That grave can't be yard. good. I'm just saying. Right? Um, the man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. That's intense. Right? Then it says... Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So this guy's overtaken by this torment in his life, where there's nothing anyone else can do anymore. Like they've done everything. Now he's just forced to go, and you just got to kind of hang out in the graveyard, in these caves, in these tombs, uh, and you can't come near anyone. Just get get out of the village and then comes Jesus.
1: Right, because the villagers have done everything they knew to do and they'd come to the end of themselves. And you and I both know with the years we've spent um, in ministry to people who are experiencing addiction that quite often we'd have conversations with family members and spouses um, and spiritual community about that person they were bringing in for treatment that they're like, we just don't know what else to do. And um, sometimes I think the, the village here gets a bad rap because uh, they didn't. They had driven the guy out and chained him up, and uh, you know, ostracized him. And we're like, hey, that's not cool. But the truth is, is like having someone in your midst, like. It sounds to me this is not the kind of fellow that you want volunteering in the in the nursery at the Sunday school, right? Like
0: right.
1: Y- you can't have this guy around. One would think in healthy functioning community, you got to get him away. You got to right. get Come him out they, there.
0: They've tried everything that they've thought of trying already. One would hope, right? So then comes Jesus, right? And I love it. it says that even when Jesus was a far distance away, the guy recognized him. Wow. Right. And then as Jesus approaches, of course, he has this encounter with Jesus and uh, that torment inside him, that uh, depression, uh, those demons that he was battling uh, are confronted with the Son of the Living God.
1: That's right. They really are. And, uh, you know, if you are familiar with this story, you know what happens next is um, Jesus has like this crazy conversation with the guy and, and, and with, his, uh, with his demons and— uh, The demons themselves end up being flung into this herd of pigs that was nearby, which you know. I mean, I did not grow up on a farm. I do not know about things, but uh, I just know that that herd of pigs would have represented community wealth because they would have used food. They would have used the sustenance. um, They would have used it for lots of things. And so, um, you got this whole field of pigs, and you got this dude who it's his job. To, or it's their job to tend those pigs. And that day it was a day like no other day because their safe space, hanging out with the pigs, had become an unsafe space. Right.
0: right. Well, Jesus shows up and he's a disruptive force he sure is. to this situation, right? Yes. He erupts this uh, darkness, he interrupts uh, the torment in this guy's life. And this guy's begging with Jesus. He's like, please, Jesus, this thing in me, this thing in me that is separating me from my community, from my family, that's tearing me apart, would you make it go far away? Mm. Would you would you get it out of me and make it go far away?
1: So what he does and uh, is he sends the spirits into these 2,000 pigs and right. the pigs are driven mad and they run down and they jump off the end of a cliff and... All that is a lot for me to imagine. But what happens is those tending the pigs freak out. They run off, and they can't wait to go back and report it in town about what has just happened. So they do it all in the town and all up the countryside. And mm-hmm. what happens next?
0: It says, soon there's a crowd yes, there gathered around Jesus. Yes, now, there when is. a crowd gathers around Jesus, sometimes they're there to, you know, honor Christ and Sometimes they're there to push you off a cliff.
1: Right, which is a really interesting point to note in his ministry. He wasn't that concerned about impressing people or pleasing people. He knew that his work was to do the will of the Father.
0: Right, and then there's this moment where I think maybe they had to count the cost. Right. Because these folks are pig farmers, but we understand a principle here as well, that when we see someone come out of great darkness and restored into community, there's a cost.
1: right. Which is so interesting because um, the fella that ends up being delivered is like, um, can you just take me with you? <laughs> right. And I don't blame him, right? Like he's yeah. just heard all these people be like, just take your ministry and get out of here, Jesus. Like there wasn't, this did not seem to be celebration. Like I mean, Scripture is silent on that, but there wasn't celebration of like. What, Larry, man, good to have you back. You know, like, come on over tonight and hang out with the wife and kids. Like, there's none of celebration about the miracle that's taken place because everyone is so shocked at what it has now meant for the community. Right. And that is like a real legit thing. So maybe um, we don't have. In our part of the world like herds of pigs as our livelihood Mm -hmm. but there are times in ministry where uh, when jesus shows up and brings restoration that um it everyone doesn't get to stay comfortable
0: right it disrupts our kind of church community that we're all kind of used to and comfortable in Thanks for listening. To hear this week's full episode of Wonderful Words of Life, subscribe to the show on iTunes or visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.